you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Thessalonians. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible there in front of you, hopefully in the pew. And you can open that up and read along whenever we get to that, that point. This morning, it is a little different. Uh, we have taking a little different tact, and I think you'll find out later. You will find out later kind of why we chose to do that. But this morning, uh, maybe you've heard the old saying, there's two things in life that are inevitable, Right? Taxes and death, right? Death and taxes. And we're in tax season, but we're not going to talk about taxes this morning. We're going to talk about death. And just standing here in this moment saying that to you uh, seems a little awkward. Like, we don't really talk a lot about death except for around funerals. And as a pastor, particularly, you know, when you come to a text and you get ready to preach, you're like, I want, you just want everyone in the room to feel like this passage relates to you. Like somehow this passage will relate to you. Well, I don't have that problem this morning because the reality and the truth is death is relevant to all of us. Death is coming for all of us. We've all been, probably most of you, We've been to the funerals. We've sat maybe even in this place or other places at funerals of people who have lived long lives and had great lives and gone to be on with the Lord or died and people who were snatched away too quickly, young children. I can remember for me my own first kind of encounter with, with death that, I, that was really kind of pivotal for me that I really understood. I was about 15 years old. And my grandfather passed away. And my grandfather for me was, um, was just a rock for me. He, he was a pastor and man, he was, he was just a source of encouragement and life for me. And I can remember even now, this many years ago, I, I don't do the math, I'm 40. So however many years ago that was, like just to even come up here and talk about that. I can remember walking down at the funeral. At the end, when we all filed through the casket, at 15 years old, just gripping that casket because my grandfather had gone. I didn't want to leave. This reality of death is something that we all face with those around us and think about in our own lives. And, and I, I don't think most of us wrestle with just, you know, like how we're going to die, although we've probably thought about that. The bigger question that we encounter, we talk about death, we talk about grieving over death, is what causes us to consider these things is the question of what comes after death. Like, like what's going to happen after that? And this is, I've told you before, one of the great reasons that we preach through the text the way we do expositorily through the text is because we get to texts like the one today and we have to deal with it. This is not something that I would have chosen to, hey, let's talk about death. 
It's not just, you know, something that you get really excited about until you get to the text and you unpack it and you see it. And I'm hoping this morning that though we are talking about death, we'll, we'll have a different response. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So let's stop there. Paul is addressing the Thessalonians about the Thessalonians about um, being uninformed about something. But before we get there, we need to remember the context of, of this. Of, of where we are in the book. So we've started in on chapter 4 a couple weeks ago, and if you remember, the whole idea, the whole context that we, tra- that we transitioned to was this idea of sanctification. And this is really important for us to think about, to, to remember the context as we think about death, because Paul is wanting to remind them, wanting to teach them about something in this context of sanctification, so that what we think about Death, how we understand death, has everything to do with our lives now. It has everything to do with this process of sanctification, this process of holiness. And particularly here because Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He doesn't want them to to not know the truth. He wants them to be informed. He wants them to know the truth because he knows that when we understand the truth and the reality... Of, of what is right, then that will inform the way we think, our, our theological framework, which will then in turn affect how we live our lives, our sanctification. So he wants them to know, he wants them to be informed, he wants them to understand the truth. If, if we have good theology, it will lead us toward right living. If we have poor theology or we don't have enough information about what is right, it will lead to not living holy lives. And so it's still in the context here, and this is important because we're going to get back to this, but it's important that we remember that, that we set the stage. He says here, I don't want you to be informed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep. So we we need to deal with this word asleep. All right? This word asleep. When we look at what the Bible teaches uh, over the course of the Bible, this word asleep is a general term a, a, a euphemism that is used throughout the scriptures about people who have died. But, but it doesn't mean that when we die, we enter like a sleep-like state and we wait till the end. When, as we look at scripture, what we do know, what is clear about death, particularly for those who have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ, is that our souls go immediately to be with Christ. So when we come to the funeral and we say to the funeral of those who have died in Christ, we say, we know that they are with Christ today. What we say is we we know that their soul is with Christ. Though their body is here, though we see their body in the casket, the Bible is clear that those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we die, our soul is immediately with God. So there, there is no concept of this idea of soul sleep, like we're just kind of in this you know, somewhere out in left field, just kind of waiting for things to happen. No, when, when, when we die in Christ, we immediately go 
uh, to be with the Lord. And, and that's the context of this idea of a sleep, but Paul is really kind of unpacking really what that means. And so he says here, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Again, if you understand a reality, it will affect the way you live your life, this grief that we have in death. Now, we all have grief in death. Grief is a, it's a natural response in death. When someone dies that we know that we are close with, he, he, he doesn't say, like, we're not going to, gr- to grieve. He says, I want you to grieve rightly. I want you to grieve in the right way. So, so grieving in death is natural. It's, it's just as natural as indigestion after Taco Bueno, right? Like, when you do that, I had to throw something in there funny, all right? This is deep, okay? So just a little humor. It's true. When we grieve, when, when people die, we grieve. That is a natural response. But what God wants us to see is that there is a way in which we can grieve that is different. He says here, we don't want you to grieve like the rest who have no hope. We will grieve in death. And he gives kind of two pictures here. There are a people, the rest, who will grieve when people die and they grieve with no hope. What does he mean, no hope? Well, when we grieve, we grieve because this person is no longer here. Right? We, we loved them, we cared about them, and now they're gone. And that's why we grieve. Our, our soul hurts. Our, 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 we just, our emotional connection, everything within us just hurts because they're gone. They're not here with us. We're grieving because they're, they're gone. They're not here. We grieve what, what's... What's next? And those who don't have Christ grieve differently than those who grieve with Christ. And what Paul is saying, there is, a way, and there is a way that we can grieve that has hope. Now, again, we must remember what the Bible teaches about this idea of hope. This isn't like, I hope the Broncos win the Super Bowl, right? This isn't like, I hope I get a new pair of shoes for my birthday. This is an assurance. This is a reality. And this is what Paul is going to unpack. So Tim, well, where do we get this hope? How do we, how do we have this hope? Like if that's how I want to grieve, right? If I think about people dying and I'm going to their funeral, I don't want to just grieve an empty grief, a grief that is uninformed. Like the people that grieve with no hope, they grieve because they're not informed of the truth. They don't know the reality of death. And that's why they grieve with no hope. Paul is saying we can grieve with hope because we have a different reality. There is something else about dying in Christ that would give us hope, that will help us grieve differently. When we think about, well, would I rather grieve with hope or would I ever grieve without hope? I think we would all say I would rather grieve with some sort of hope. Tim, what are you talking about? This is what I'm trying, this is what the text is trying to build in us. What is this hope? What are you talking about? Death is a reality. It's, it's a reality for me. It's a reality for everyone that I know. What is this hope? How can we grieve as a people with hope? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. Verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. In the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep 
through Jesus. And so Paul unpacks for us a little further this source of hope. That our hope is now rooted in a belief that comes from the Lord. He says several things here. This, since we believe this, because we have this belief, it causes us great hope in, in our grief. He says, we believe that Jesus died. If you're here this morning and you have decided to follow Christ, at the end of this statement, the end of the sentence, he's talking about those who have died in Christ or through Christ. This is what we believe. This is the essence of the gospel, that Jesus died and Jesus rose again. He's just summing up the gospel here. What we believe is that Jesus died. We believe that Jesus came from heaven and lived as a sinless man on this earth. And he lived his life in perfection, completely, as, as a man. And he gets to the end and he's sacrificed. He's crucified on the cross for our sins. This is, a, this is a reality. This is not a myth. The story that we read in the Bible, what we say we believe, is something that really, truly happened. Just as real as you being here this morning, hearing me talk to you. Jesus was a man. Fully God, fully man, lived on this earth in perfection, was crucified on the cross, and he died. No one stole his body. No one hallucinated all of this. Jesus, the God-man, came from heaven, lived a sinless life, was sacrificed and crucified on the cross, and he died. And they took his body off the cross, and they put it in a tomb, and they buried him, and he was dead. He wasn't breathing anymore. His heart wasn't beating. He died. But then, Jesus rose again. That's that's the even more glorious picture, right? 1 Corinthians 4 tells us that. Paul says another time, if Jesus doesn't doesn't rise from the dead, if Jesus wasn't raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. What he's saying is this is what we believe. This is what our faith is founded on. That Jesus came as a man and he died and he was buried and he really died. But he also really lived. He also came alive. He was resurrected from the grave. Jesus rose from the grave. The grave couldn't keep him down. What does all that mean? Well, it means that Jesus conquered death. And he's not dead anymore, but he's alive. This is the story. This is the truth. This is the reality of what we believe. This is the essence of the gospel. When we think about Jesus, when we think about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, this is what we think about. This is what we should be proclaiming. There really was a man who really came and he really died. But glory be to God, he rose again. And then he says, since we believe this, because we believe that Jesus died and he was raised from death, that God raised him up, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. We believe this this idea of bringing is this idea of gathering or taking, that God is going to bring with him, he's going to gather all of those who have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ, all of those who have died in Jesus Christ. So you can, you can think about these guys and where they are in the timeline 
of, of history. Jesus has just died. They're just maybe centuries removed. Maybe most of them being alive when, when Jesus died. And so they're having this difficulty of like, well, what happens? You know, everyone's saying Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And the reality that they're living with is Jesus is coming back. But then people die before Jesus comes back. This is the problem. Paul wants them to know God is going to come back. We believe that Jesus died. And if we believe Jesus died and he rose again, then we can believe that he's coming back for his people. And let me be clear, because the text is clear, this is the only way that you can have hope in death. The only way that we can have hope in death, in believing when someone dies, that they are going to be brought back to God, that God is going to bring them back and they're going to live in eternity with him, which we'll find out later, is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we want hope in death, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ. The only way we can grieve with those, as with those who have hope is to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that he was resurrected and raised. And if he was raised, then that means Jesus conquered death and he can conquer death for us and he can raise us from the dead and we can go to be with him. So then Paul goes on a little more. For we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. He's saying, what we just said is based on what we know to be true from the Lord. And this is what we know to be true. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the archangel's voice and with a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so we will always be with the Lord. Paul says, look, we're not at an advantage just because we're alive and Jesus hasn't come yet. Jesus is coming for all of us and this is how it's going to play out. There's going to be a shout There's going to be an angel, an archangel, whose voice we are going to hear. There's going to be a trumpet. And the dead in Christ will raise from the grave, and they will go to be with Jesus. Their souls will be be reunited with their bodies. And those of us who are alive, we will go with them, and we will meet them in the clouds. And I know you're sitting there, and you're going, oh, my goodness. If you're like me, I'm reading this. I'm going, what a glorious moment this will be. Yes, it will be terrifying on some level, right? You're going to see bodies come out of the graves. Say, well, Tim, what about people who have been cremated or, you know, I don't know how all of it's going to work. If you want to ask me all the ins and outs of how this, I don't know. But I know somehow God is an incredible God who can, I mean, whether we're cremated or not, right? If your body is in in a casket for hundreds of years, it's probably going to be dust anyway, right? Somehow, And the power that God has, he's going to be able to reunite all of this. It's going to be a glorious moment. I know you're sitting there and you're like, you have all of these questions, right? We get to this text and we're like, help me, Tim. Like this, I have so many more questions, right? When is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? The who, what, when, why, where, all of these things. And, And I'm not saying those things aren't important for us to consider. But the reality in this text and this truth is, That's not necessarily where we find our hope. Where we find our hope is in the one reality that we do know. 
And the one reality that we do know in this text that Paul wants to make sure the believers understand is that Christ is coming back. And that is where you can have your hope. That is where you can have your hope and not grieving like the rest. I'm really a little envious of the first century church because they seem to live with a more compelling reality. They live with this expectation, this urgency. The return of the Lord is coming near. I'm even saying that this morning, I know that we've heard that this morning, but I'm hoping, is it something welling up within you? Jesus Christ is going to return. And we can have hope in death because we know this isn't the end. So he says here in verse 8, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So what you hear me saying this morning, though we're talking about death, you ought to be encouraged This is our command. We get to this text and it's our command. Encourage one another with these words. What is it? What is it that Paul wants us to be encouraged with? And I've mentioned it kind of several times, but I just want to make sure we understand what this text is saying to us. How can we be encouraging one another? Well, the first thing we can encourage one another is that Christ has defeated death. There is no more need to fear death. Certainly, we don't know when death is coming, but because we understand a little bit about how life works, there are some of us in this room, naturally speaking, that are closer to death than others. Some of us may be a little further away, and then some of you young guys, like when I'm talking about death this morning, it's not even on your radar. Well, the reality is we don't know when death is coming, but we do know that death is coming for all of us unless Jesus comes back. But we don't have to fear death. I can remember a few times in my life being here at the church and getting to visit some people in our church, some older people who had lived their lives for the Lord, and they were facing death. They knew that death was on the horizon. But this reality of this truth of 1 Thessalonians gave them such great hope that they did not have to fear death. And so when you went and sat with them and talked with them, It was almost otherworldly. Because I think we can hear this truth and wrestle with this truth, but until you face death in the eyes and you see it coming, will this reality and this truth really, really sink deep into your heart? And I've sat with people who you just wonder, wow, death is here. And they're saying, I don't have to fear death. Because Jesus conquered death. That's what Paul wants us to know, is that Christ has defeated death. Therefore, we can encourage one another. We don't have to fear death. Death is not our final enemy. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has victory over death. So we don't have to fear death in our lives. You're thinking about going overseas to do missions. Your children may be thinking about going overseas to do missions. Well, what if they die? Well... Yes, we will grieve, but we will grieve with those who have hope. The second thing we can encourage one another with is that Christ is coming back, so we don't need to grieve hopelessly. Death is not the end. 
For those who are in Christ, death is not the end of life. The reality is that Jesus is coming back for us, whether he comes back today while we're all alive, which would be awesome, he could do that, or whether he waits for another thousand years and we all die. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to gather his bride, and we will spend eternity with him. That's number three, and we encourage one another with the reality that we will be with him forever. So we've been talking about this idea of sanctification. I think this is where this is really important. Because when we talk about this idea of walking in holiness, I think we all, those of us who are in Christ, who are truly in Christ, we say, yes, I want that. I want to live in holiness. But Tim, this world is difficult. Our enemy is cunning. And he is, we live in a world that is just after us to sin in all directions. And this is a difficult world to live in and we have this struggle every day and I think the reality that Jesus Christ is coming and that when Paul says we will be with him forever what he's saying is this struggle when life will be over sanctification process will be done and we'll be with Jesus living in righteousness and holiness forever so don't give up living for Christ don't see death as the enemy see death as the way for us to get to live with Christ forever now I'm not saying you know, you need to make that happen. We'll, we'll let that happen however God chooses that to happen, right? But we don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid of it. I actually can say, whenever it is my time, whenever death comes for me, it will be glorious because then I will get to be in the presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever. We do not grieve as those with no hope. We need to remind those who are grieving, who have lost loved ones of the reality that this is not the end. Jesus has conquered death, and when he conquered death for himself, what the reality meant is that he could conquer death for you and me. So when we know people who lose loved ones, or when we lose loved ones, we can encourage one another and say, this isn't it, this isn't the end. There's also another reality, another response that we need to embrace with this text, and it's reality that we must tell those who don't know this glorious truth that God has made a way to spend eternity with his son, Jesus Christ. There are a people, and you may, may be in this room, and I want you to hear me out of love and concern for your eternity, that if you were to die, you would not spend Eternity with Jesus forever. You do not have a hope that that is what is coming for you. We cannot place our hope in our own agenda, our own works, our own being good enough. The Bible is clear. The only way we can have hope to spend eternity with Jesus after our death is that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And we as the believers of Jesus Christ, those who have believed that Jesus died and he rose again, we have an opportunity and I would say even an obligation. If this is the reality, yes, on one hand, we're hopefully, we're moving towards like, you just want to shout, right? I'm hoping this morning we're talking about this. You're not going, oh yeah, I'm going to go get to be with Jesus. That's cool. No, this is glorious news. 
You ought to be welling up within you like, Tim, I'm tired of you talking. Let's sing some more, all right? Let, let my heart rejoice. I want to stand up. I want to shout. I want to say, yes, Jesus, thank you for what you've done in me. Thank you for what you've done in conquering death so I don't ever have to fear death anymore and I can live with hope in this life that there is something better that's coming and we want to rejoice in that for us. But we also must remember there are those who do not have this hope. And they need you and I to share with them the glorious hope of Jesus Christ so that they do not have to grieve with no hope. You see, they're uninformed. The reality is that when we look at the Bible, the truth of God, that he tells us what is true and what is right, and it informs the way that we think. It informs our theological framework. Don't be afraid of the word theology. Because if you don't have a good theology, you will have a poor life, a poor practice, a poor holiness. What Paul wants them to do is be informed. What he wants us to do is be informed of the truth. Because when we know the truth, it determines how we think. And what determines the way we think determines the way that we live. It transforms the way we live our lives. And there are people out there who are uninformed. They do not know of the hope of Jesus Christ. And you and I should be telling them about the glorious hope that they can have in Jesus Christ in death. We can encourage one another. We can remind one another that this struggle that we are in is not the end. Do not give up the fight. Keep up the fight. Keep up the good work. Keep living for holiness. Keep striving and living for the Lord because someday Jesus Christ is going to come. And whether we are dead or whether we are alive, he's going to take us and we are going to live with him forever and ever and ever. That's glorious news.